Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you'll find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers. Namaskar. My name is Shishir. I write on micro and macroeconomics for the Hindu Business Line. Welcome to the latest episode of the State of Economy, where we are going to talk about how the economy is doing and what kind of prospects are there. To talk about more, we have with us uh, Radhika Rao, Executive Director and Senior Economist with DBS Group Research. Welcome to the show, Radhika. Thank you so much, Shishir. Happy to be here. Radhika, my first question to you that we have two uh, high-frequency economic indicators during the last three days. One is, of course, the PMI manufacturing and the uh, next one is the GST number. If we see both the numbers, PMI manufacturing at 578 GST collection in the month of June, it was 1.61 lakh rupees. Can we say that the consumer demand is picking up? So let me begin with uh, the GST number. Uh, Like you rightly mentioned, uh, it came up about 1.6 trillion. And this number was about 12% higher than the comparable period year ago. And I think if I were to take the year-to-date monthly average, it's again about 12% higher than where we were uh, in fiscal 23. But fiscal 23, of course, the earnings were even more. That grew by about 20% year on year. Why JSD in generally doing well? I think it certainly uh, you know, reflects stronger demand. Besides that, it's also the steps towards better due diligence, uh, as well as some price effects, basically reflecting inflation as well. And I think we are meeting at a, at a very interesting point because as of end June, GST has completed or marked its sixth year being in functionality. So the architecture, as well as the mechanism, has certainly strengthened uh, over this period. And, you know, you've, you've got not only better compliance, but also more taxpayers under its fold. And I think all of this is underpinned by an layer of digitalization, all the way from, I think, registration to refund, e-babels, e-invoicing, and the mix. So uh, overall, I think the mechanism unified tax structure continues to strengthen. There are still some areas where, um, you know, improvement is sought, but I think overall, insofar as collections are concerned, from below one trillion, about three, four years back, uh, we are well in the 1.5, 1.6 trillion kind of range. And the latest number, again, bodes well for consumption and demand in general. Talking about the PMIs, uh, PMIs, I think, are a better indicator of what uh, manufacturers as well as service providers are are facing. I think PMIs in some ways are is like a confidence survey. And um, of late, we have seen that India's PMIs in particular have been exceptionally strong. In fact, uh, if I were to look at the last 20 months, in this 20 months, it's been above 54 and a good over two two years plus it's been in the expansionary uh, region. Again, manufacturers uh, tells you that, uh, you know, the confidence is, is strong. Input prices have also begun to come off. So the pressure to pass it on to output costs is also lower. Uh, and I think here I will also uh, draw upon what's happening in the region as a whole. So when I talk about the region, I mean Asia, Asia 10. Uh, and the countries that are under our coverage, when we look at it, in fact, PMIs have been losing momentum. Some of them are still in the expansionary terrain, but uh, month on month, uh, it's been slowing. And in fact, the latest reading, if I were to see out of seven countries, five have declined. And some of it is, I think, also reflective of weaker export performance. So coming back to our PMI, uh, certainly holding up in expansionary terrain, it's a bit slower than the month before. Uh, but again, um, I think that could be put to month on month fluctuation uh, and a pretty strong reading at that. Okay. Uh, now, the next uh, high-frequency economic indicator would be the retail inflation, the number which will be out uh, 10 days from now. Uh, what is your expectation? Market observers certainly look at the number very closely. 
uh, and uh, much more because we've had three years of above target range inflation. Thankfully, the cycle seems to be uh, turning down. Um, we have had inflation readings this quarter, which have been you know, coming back into the range. Uh, in fact, if I were to talk about the, the June reading that should be out soon, we expect that to be below 5%, uh, just like me. And what's that telling us? Of course, base effects are quite significant. Same time last year, uh, we had seen a quite a strong increase in commodity prices and that had driven inflation numbers. So that's benefiting this year's uh, readings. Uh, but even if I look at the next two, three quarters, uh, we do think inflation is going to range around the 5 or 0.2% kind of handle. For the year, we have a, a forecast of about 4.8%. Now, CPI is easing, WPI is easing even faster because of the weightage of tradables. Mm-hmm. But if I were to talk about risks as well, uh, certainly weather is number one and uh, uh, commodity prices is number two. But commodity prices in general, especially energy and oil that matters to us, that's been very well behaved. In fact, it's lower than what the RBI's own assumption is. So I think that is uh, something that's beneficial for inflation. But of course, the joker in the pack, you know, is what happens to weather. Overall in the year, we have a 4.8% average with some upside risks based on, on how weather pans out. Okay, since you talked about one of the risk factors, that is the monsoon. And uh, since we just got the news that the monsoon has covered entire nation. So uh, do you see much more impact on the food prices as well as on the fuel prices because of the monsoon? Certainly, you know, it's interesting you ask that because that is a very, very important development that is, you know, routinely in this part of the year, once June comes upon, first of all, the onset of monsoon, second of all, how fast it's spreading geographically becomes quite quite important. And we started off with a slow onset, but thankfully what we have seen is that monsoon has covered ground and covered ground very fast. In fact, the IMD had also come out recently to say that in past more than two decades, uh, there's been only three years, uh, you know, when this has happened, where monsoon has, has gained ground so fast into early July. And nonetheless, I think ahead of this, uh, certain vegetables, for example, has already risen, uh, some cereals as well. Uh, and that reflects worries about a delayed curve sowing uh, last month uh, in June. So coming back to the monsoon, it has, uh, you know, spread Again, June is important. July is even more important because July, August uh, covers about uh, two-thirds of the overall rainfall. Uh, So it needs to be not only onset fast, but also spread well, especially to agriculturally important pockets uh, like, you know, UP, Bihar and some of the southern belts, Punjab as well. I think the progress is encouraging. We would look for its spread and how fast it's able to cover uh, some of the low irrigated areas in particular. And uh, IMB also had mentioned that El Nino worries have not really impacted June, uh, but July, we might see more of a, a fallout. If we were to talk about you know where the central bank is at this point, in fact, the central bank's own uh, prognosis is that weather could add about 50 basis points, not just the Southwest monsoon, but bad weather in general, um, because if you've seen intense heat waves and all of that, you know, potentially could add 50 basis points of upside risk to inflation. So wrapping all up, I think monsoon certainly a big watch factor. It's very encouraging that it's spread and spread fast, especially the onset and geographic spread. But we will be keen to see if the intensity as well as crucially important uh, farm belts are also covered. And this happening at a time when El Nino onset uh, would, be, would be deeper as well. Okay. okay. Radhika, if I add one more question to the inflation, that is the top inflation, which is the tomato, onion and potato, which is the currently hotly debated topic, especially the tomato one. Do you think that it is just a small factor or just is going to improve in 
coming say 15 days or 30 days and we will have a better vegetable inflation vegetable inflation is perhaps you know one of the most volatile inflation you know it it swings quite hard and uh, and it reacts a lot to adverse weather conditions uh now out of the top that you mentioned i think tomato has certainly been in a, a huge point of discussion mainly because there was a swing in way production was handled uh, if i were to see earlier this year prices had in fact crashed and because of which some of the farmers or farming states where where this is grown uh, much more in fact did not go ahead and even harvest uh, because of the receivables were not as high and now look forward when we bring this whole thing forward now there is a supply crunch and supplies that are hitting the market which should routinely have been harvested and should have been supplied that has not come because it wasn't harvested at the right time so uh, i would think among the top as of this point uh, tomato seems to be more persistent and i think vegetable inflation in all as the kharif sowing happens you routinely picks up as well so seasonally a strong period as well uh, so it hasn't really upset the apple cart so to speak but yes i think seasonal strength in this pocket of food inflation plus tomatoes in particular becoming a much bigger topic of discussion i think will hold vegetable inflation higher base effects might nullify some of that low energy prices might nullify some of that uh, but we do think it will percolate through food inflation over the next 3 4 months okay there is a discussion that uh, rate of interest because of the inflation has uh, come down rate of interest has picked up so can we see uh, within next 6 to 9 month rate cut can we talk about this possibility at this moment yeah every central bank i think uh, is weighing two things uh, firstly i think you know are we at the peak of the rate hike cycle and secondly you know is it time to pivot towards easing uh, and when you look at the, some of the western central banks they're telling you that each time they've entered a pause it hasn't mean that they have closed the door to rate hikes uh, in fact we have a good few examples of major global central banks who have come paused and then they have gone on to hike rates even more now against this context um, you know where do where do we see rbi i think rbi essentially is looking at a few things uh, of course inflation i think is the, the biggest factor in their own assessment but apart from that they're looking at growth conditions and also looking at what's happening globally so when i look at these three factors i think growth conditions uh, if we will look at the commentary from the central bank they have been very clearly they're quite optimistic that assessment is um, we would think still quite uh, positive on the growth prospect for not only year that ended but the year that we are in as well due to various things i mean resilience and consumption they are looking at investment growth capex through government support so that's growth conditions if you look at what's happening globally the fed of course among other central banks fed matters Uh, and what the fed has said is that they have paused but they're going to come back and hike at least one or two more times and the third factor being inflation which is the most important for us inflation is well is evolving around the projected path but again rbi was very clear to mention that among all the factors inflation they are still concerned about they would prefer to be vigilant uh, that's why they maintained their stance as well which is withdrawal of accommodation so i think uh, the steps to follow i would think would be first they would consider changing their stance to neutral before they actually pivot to a rate hiking cycle and before all of that starts i think they would prefer to have much more confidence on how inflation is going to pan out so with these factors in mind i think a early premature pivot to cuts we we don't expect that to happen at least in the next 6 months we have a policy o meter in house and when we look at that 
it tells us that uh, india is not among the most dovish there are some other countries like vietnam indonesia where mm. we think rate cuts cuts could come earlier but we are more neutral to hawkish camp as far as india is concerned and we wouldn't expect a quick pivot to rate hikes a uh, rate cuts so not a 2023 story from our view okay now my final question to you radhika last week we saw some of the agencies like snp and fitch they raised the estimate for gdp growth for fy24 what is your take on that i think it reflects uh, the resilience of the domestic economy um, I, th- i think the economies that are less uh, export reliant and more domestic growth uh, reliant um, consumption reliant are expected to do well uh, even if we see some dissipating effect from the you know so the pandemic gave a big boost or post pandemic reopening gave a big boost last year uh, this year that effect is dissipating but that should be matched with how employment conditions are how wage growth is and in those terms i think in india our consumption is still quite supportive again for april to june we could look at many many high frequency numbers uh, and it's pretty much telling us the same story that a demand is still you know holding up well and on the investment side we have seen you know capex cycle especially led by the public sector or led led by the government in particular i think private sector has deleveraged it's got cleaner books but they are i don't think across sectors or on an aggregate basis the private sector is participating uh, still participating very strongly in the capex cycle uh, so they're still to you know go ahead capacity utilization rates are about still about 70% and the third leg would be the trade and i think trade is the one where the risk is the most again when we look at the trade cycles in the region we've seen quite a sharp correction i think india's as well a similar trend we've seen growth export growth slow not only goods but also services like we discussed right at the beginning there are lower discretionary spends geographies as well as some verticals that are doing not so well uh, so trade part is getting affected but relative to the weightage of the domestic demand i think uh, that's where which lends reliance to um, you know india's story and i think that reflects what the multilateral agencies or the rating agencies are doing which is to raise uh, the growth forecasts our own growth forecast is at about 6% and i think we are holding on to that number as of now and because we want to see again second half of the fiscal year uh, you know how does the global growth hold up because that impacts our exports that also impacts our investment cycle uh, for a bit so we are just again somewhere in the middle of the range in terms of the market expectations uh, and we are holding up at about 6% in this overall cycle i think the growth consumption reliant domestic demand reliant economies uh, are doing well thank you thank you radhika thank you shashir